You should start talking about something this week because I don't think you've ever been the first person to edit all of me out and you start talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's that's going to be the intro now. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is. It has been interesting editing in these cold opens because I feel like when we first started doing it, it they often flowed really naturally because the, like the first one we did was the first podcast episode of what I think of as the reboot, which is um, basically I count the ones Kyle and I did last year, I count separately as a separate thing. Yes. You know, it's, it's the same name. And for, for counting convention, we've we've kept counting on. Good. But I consider yeah. that to be sort of the first one. And that was Trent and Alec. And they just like talked for half yeah. an hour or something before talking yeah. about magic. And yeah. it, there was no clear like entry point. There was no them being like, all right, let's start recording now. It just- yeah. Yeah, I that spun me out the first time I heard it. I was like, they just what are they? When are they? Are they is this? Do they realize this is recording? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was great. I think people loved it. I loved it. Yeah, it's cool. I think I also think that's definitely a difference between when Kyle and I used to do this to now. I feel like Kyle and I were trying to be like you know competitive and analytics based and like very like serious magic players or whatever. And that's just really not what this podcast is now. <laughs> Like the best episodes are the ones where we go so far off topic and exactly. When I post an episode with no magic content, I get bad feedback about it and people being like, "Well, this wasn't that great this week." Oh no! <laughs> so speaking of magic content, I guess, or maybe you should. No, no, that's a good segue. Yep, well done. That was a good segue. You should <laughs> stick to it, Dan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the Faction Podcast. My name's Ian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with Dan and uh, yes, and I'm magic Kyle. Um, That's right. <laughs> yes, we are talking about magic this week, somewhat. Anyway, possibly I need to like go recategorize this show on Spotify. I know. I think it's currently listed as like a gaming podcast. Should really change that. Yeah, there probably needs to be some minimum amount of actual gaming talk. I also think we probably should be listed as explicit, and I don't think we are. Oh, really? Wow. Well, that's just like a, it's just a thing you, you self-check. Yes. When you, when you post podcasts, is, is this explicit? I'm pretty sure we self-checked that when we talked about Hoodie doing coke. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely should have. I'm just not sure I clicked the box when I published the podcast. And thinking okay. about that episode in particular made me think, hmm, maybe I should mark this as like not suitable for children. Yeah. It, yeah. I was just thinking it's possible he was like drinking Coke, but then I'm like, that's probably also not really suitable for children. So, drinking Coke is a lot closer to acceptable <laughs> than uh... not according to Ronaldo. Did you hear how he snubbed Coca Cola and they took a four billion dollar hit? No, what was this? Oh, this was like two weeks ago. Ronaldo at a um, press conference, I think before or after a football match, he uh, he pushed the Coke bottle away from himself and he said just drink the equivalent i think he was portuguese or whatever just drink water <laughs> and then <laughs> that day coke lost four billion dollars on the stock market but it's whether or not it was actually because of ronaldo's comments who knows oh it absolutely was 100 percent. yeah very likely could have been that was the news story it was like a worldwide news story that ronaldo snubbed coke yeah, and absolutely when you have the most instagram followers of any person on the planet what you say uh, has massive reach and impact. Okay, so if you're ranking the most famous people in the planet, mm-hmm. over under on Ronaldo, uh, it'd be like, is he in the top 100? 
Oh, on, of course. On the planet? Absolutely. No question about it. He'd be close to in the top 10, I would have thought. You reckon he's top 10, I suppose? He's the most famous person in the most widely played sport on Earth. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I doubt you could find a single person almost on Earth that doesn't know who Ronaldo is. All right, well, there you go, listeners. If you're listening to us and you're thinking, who the hell is Ronaldo, let us know. Yeah. We'll see if, we've, we'll see if we can find the one person. We'll see if we'll weed out the one person and, and watch, watch your stock options degrade. It's like the reverse Venn diagram. Yeah. People who know about Ronaldo and people who listen to the Faction podcast, and we'll see if they're just two circles inside each other. I dare say that more people would know Ronaldo than know who the president of the United States is at any given time. Oh, well, yeah, but that changes every four years. I feel like the Queen would be more interesting, would probably be more famous. I mean, we're living in a Commonwealth country, so that may be slightly skewing that. But we're not that's a soccer mad country and everyone here knows who yeah. Ronaldo is. Think about what that's like in Africa and South America and Europe. Sorry, who's this Ronaldo guy again? <laughs> he can jump really high. Can he? Did you see the, the Brazilian guy got a red card for like karate <laughs> kicking the other guy in the face? Crazy, I know. Yeah, that was absolutely brutal. <laughs> yeah. I have to admit, I, so I don't watch soccer or football, mm-hmm. sorry. That's Call it whatever you want. Yeah. Just, just lost half our listener base. Damn. Yeah, I know, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't watch much football. Yep. But I have seen that kick and I do know who Ronaldo is. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've seen you. I've seen you. Oh, well, I saw actually photos of you at the A League grand final. That's right. Oh, my God. My life's complete. I've been waiting for that moment for 10 years plus, following my little Melbourne heart all the way. Uh, uh, a Melbourne heart slash city 10 years old now. Oh, yeah, th- I think they're, like, a bit older than that, actually. Oh, God. Uh, Melbourne Heart. When were they? When did they come into existence? Um, oh, God, this can take way too long. Uh, 2009. <laughs> yes. Wow. 2009 okay, so is when they started. So, yeah, 12 years. Okay, that's, that's earlier than I thought. So this is a very young person thing. But things like that make me start to realize I'm not as young as I think I am. Because in my mind, I'm still like, you know, teenager, not like Mm -hmm. quite young. But things like that, when you say something like, you know, oh, yeah, I've been waiting 10 years or it's 12 years now. And I think, but I remember that. I remember when they started. That can't be 12 years ago. That would make me, you know. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, Believe me, that never goes away. No matter, I don't (laughs) think however old you get, you always think that, there's always something that like trips you out, like when they show you a picture of Macaulay Culkin or whatever, and you're like, oh my God. Or when that, whatever the year was, when it was like, now anyone, well, sorry, the year was 2018, when they were like, people who are 18 now and drinking at pubs were born in the year 2000. It's like. Dan, I just want to let you know, I don't know who Macaulay Culkin is. You don't know who Macaulay Culkin is? Oh, you <laughs> would. No, no, you definitely would. He's like the. Top, he's more famous than Ronaldo. <laughs> so, um, Home Alone. Macaulay Culkin. Like, like the kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... That little boy that screams in, in Home oh, Alone. Okay, sure. I didn't know that was his name. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The okay. actor's name. Oh, he was like the biggest thing in the world at the time. Okay, um, well, I'll be honest. That film is probably a little bit before me, right? Well, yeah. It was like way before you. Home Alone is, was released in 1990. Yeah, so I didn't really... Like, when I watched that as a kid, it was like... It was one of the old movies that was, like, probably on Channel 10 
at yes. some point. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and when I say he was the most famous person in the world, that I say that in the context of the fact that I would have been, what, how old was I in 1990? Like seven years old or whatever. So to me, he was the most famous person in the world, but he probably wasn't actually. Did you know that he then became a musician? Yeah, man. Like he's got a, a storied and uh, somewhat odd, yeah, history. I'm just on his Wikipedia page. I like that his listed instruments are vocals and kazoo. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some photos of him that suggest that something like a kazoo or something re- <laughs> resembling a kazoo might have been his favorite instrument. So it is interesting for context. So our magic team is I'm the youngest. Kyle is a bit under a year older than me, about a year older than me. And then I think Brayden's not that much older. And then there's Dogan's five, seven years older than me, a bit older. But then the majority of the team, I'd say, are in their 30s and 40s. Yep. Right? Which means that there are definitely times when I feel that difference and I feel the generation <laughs> gap. Like, yeah. When someone just expects you to know who Colin McCulkin is. Yeah, right. Or like on Saturday... We were, we were, I was at a physical MH2 draft. There you go. That's the first mention of magic for this podcast, yes. I think. So <laughs> nice. check, check your timers if you were betting on nine minutes or so. <laughs> and we're, so we're at this draft and we're playing music. Some, there were a few different playlists just playing in the background. And at one point we were listening to Limp Biscuit. Cool. And, and everyone else there, and there's a, there's a few sort of musos actually in that group, which is interesting. I didn't realize initially but and they, and everyone's talking about listening to Limp Biscuit and you know in the early 2000s and yeah, basically reminiscing and I'm sitting there going oh, I didn't I didn't listen to them until like 10 years later and they were wow. like a sort of retro you know <laughs> yeah man I was in the US in 1999 when Nookie came out the Limp Biscuit, the big breakout hit off um I don't think it was off mm. the sausage flavoured water one it was off um whatever the other album was and a significant other. And uh, it was, yeah, it was just the biggest deal, especially in that age bracket of young teenage kids, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they were huge. Yeah, yeah. So Home Alone, you, you, you're a movie dude, aren't you? you, are you? Uh, like, yes, somewhat. I really like, I like movies, but I haven't actually, I don't actually watch that many movies. How much cause... do you reckon the budget for Home Alone was? Um, this seems remarkably low to me by modern standards. I was gonna say it's probably low because because well, so firstly, it's a it, it has a child actor as the lead, and then I don't it didn't have anyone super famous, right, in the supporting yeah, roles. Joe Pesci. Oh, you're right. Yeah, okay. Hey, Joe Pesci. I don't know who all these other people are. Yeah. So saying. like, and it and and the actual set, you know, it's filmed in a house, like. Oh, yeah, this is interesting. See, I wouldn't think stuff like this. Yeah, so, like, okay. it wouldn't have that much... It wouldn't have, like, a huge location budget. It doesn't have a huge stunts budget. It had, like, no VFX. Oh, no, they do go... No, they do go to New York, though, and they go to Trump's apartment, and Donald Trump is oh. in it, too. Uh, that's true. Donald Trump is... In- I mean, not that... <laughs> not that he, I'm sure he'd have paid them to be in it, but... I mean, yeah, I don't know. Well, he was kind of famous then, right? Like... Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's been famous. But it doesn't have... Forever. It wouldn't have a big, like... Um, VFX budget either? No, I, I don't think like spreading honey all over the stairs and having Joe Pesci slip down them would be even yeah. even in those times considered much yeah. of a VFX budget. <laughs> budget. Uh, 
four liters of honey. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, like twenty bucks. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. All right. Well, what's what's the answer? So the budget was eighteen million dollars. Yeah, that's very small. For that seems tiny. That's tiny. What's what's a new movie that came out? I said I don't even know what movies come out. <laughs> what, what what are those like Avengers movies? Avengers. Budget. Oh, but they're all huge because they're like. Six all star, a, a you know, yeah, a list <laughs> celebrities and huge VFX. What you want is something like, um, similar level of like sitcom. Oh, sure, okay. I wouldn't even know then. Well, the no, Aven- Avengers was 220 mil, so like there original first Avengers. Oh my god, the uh, what was yeah. what was like Endgame? Avengers, Endgame. I reckon it was a lot more. Oh my god! Oh my god! Three hundred and fifty-six million dollars. Yeah. I think yeah. there's something with oh my god! The box office it nearly made three billion dollars at box office. That's that's just insane. Um, so fun fact: I've never seen Endgame. I actually still haven't seen. Oh, I haven't like, seen any of these movies. I I've seen almost none of them because it's the problem is right. It's gotten to the point where I feel like I can't watch any of the new stuff unless I go through and watch all of the movies. Like, so I started watching Loki, actually, recently, which is okay. very good because Loki is my favorite. Well, Loki's probably my favorite character in the MCU. But I haven't watched any of the movies because, like, Endgame came out and I was like, well, I haven't watched Infinity War, Infinity War yet. Oh, okay. So I can't watch Endgame. And, like, I can't watch any of the ones in between. I, you know, I didn't really... Like, I haven't watched Civil War. I haven't watched all these other ones. And I was like... It's just so much at this point. And they're all right there. They're all there on Disney Plus. But I'm like, it's just. Yeah. I got to say, from an outsider looking in, who's not. I just don't really watch movies in general. Like, they just look like they've taken every superhero ever made and just, like, put them all on a poster and say, here's a movie. It's kind of like that thing we were talking about, the uh, radio shows where they put five people together. Like, surely someone will do something cool, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's like the movie equivalent of that. I think um, there's a little bit of that. Although I do think the broader universe has more work done on it. Because all the characters have their own arcs and stuff. Mm. And I'm not a big enough comic book nerd to know how faithfully they've stuck to the source material. Yeah, me neither. Like, I wouldn't even know. Which is, Some people get really thinking about, like, oh, no, he's a Marvel one or a whatever the other one is. And I'm like, they're all just comic characters to me. I don't know. Okay, I feel I feel I feel slightly vindicated that you know even less than I do. At least well, I know that DC is the other one. Yeah, and and so I didn't realize. And you just said Loki is one of them, a movie. So is he? A, I always thought when I hear Loki, I'm like, isn't that like a Greek mythology character or something like that? Or is that not right? Well, Loki and Thor are real um, Norse mythology. Gods. Sorry, Norse. Okay, sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. So when someone and said is like. Kaldheim, you played Kaldheim, right? Well, exactly. So to desperately try and wrangle this back into magic. Yeah, I heard someone say yesterday, I don't know if it was on Twitter, I think, and they were talking about how with the Dungeons and Dragons, if you don't play D&D, you won't understand who these characters are and you won't care. And he was like, but it's, you know, unlike someone like Tybalt, we all know Tybalt's Loki. And I'm like, who the hell's Loki? Like, until you just said it then, I'm like, okay, I thought they maybe were talking about the literal... From playing Age of Mythology, I'm pretty sure there's the god Loki in that. And I was like, is that who they're talking? Are they doing like an Age of Mythology reference? But it must be one of these movies. That's fantastic. (laughs) Wow. This podcast is all about how unbelievably out of touch with pop culture I am. Um, 
Yeah, welcome, welcome to our movies uh, podcast. That's right, where we talk about the budgets of big movies. Oh uh, no, that's that's going to be a fun game for next week. We'll bring it back, and we're going to ask like Trent and Kyle. You know, what do you think the budget of this movie was? And they'll be like, "What? How is this relevant?" I know, right? <laughs> yeah, we apologise to all of our, uh, our adoring listeners. No, we don't. No, we yeah, don't. Everyone's here to listen to us ramble about random things. No yes. one, no one sticks around for the magic part. <laughs> It's like with the um, how you're saying, but, but these movies have like a cast with like ten A league, pe- uh, A league, uh, A <laughs> whatever grade actors. Yeah, yeah. I'm like looking at this list. And I'm like, I've heard of Robbie Robert Downey Jr. and that's the only person in this cast I've ever heard of. I'm like literally looking at the cast now and I've, I've heard of Scarlett Johansson. That's it. And that's probably because they look like the oldest two people in the cast. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow, yeah. So crazy. Loki is on. So Loki is a spin-off series on Disney Plus. Has Owen Wilson there? Okay. Yep. So she, it's been quite good so far. Um, although I must say I don't love. So so we're we're in the middle of the streaming wars, right? And this is this is my this is my um my my degree in you know media communications coming in. We're actually studied TV and film for a little bit. Very cool. We're in the middle of like this streaming wars, which I find really interesting. Which is everyone's kind of moved away from cinemas and DVDs and Blu-rays don't really exist anymore. And everyone watches on streaming platforms, right? And for a while, Netflix was just the streaming platform. Yeah, man. But obviously that's not true anymore. And so now, you know, we're having all of these like competitions between the different platforms because no one really wants to be subscribed to like six streaming platforms, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I was talking to George about this the other day. It was one of those things where when it was just Netflix... When another one would come along, like Stan or whatever, I almost felt bad for them. I was like, hey, you can't, like, why are you trying to eat into a pie that's, like, so clearly dominated by one company? But now yeah. it's, like, they're everywhere. And then Disney, like, has their thing and you're like, yeah. oh, I guess if Disney's doing it, then, like, I'm sure they'll be able to eke out their own space in it and all these other companies. I think Disney's the really interesting one because they owned so much property to start with. Like, they oh, yeah. got to launch and be like, look at the 40 years of content we already have. Like, we don't have to create new content. Yeah, man. We just own everything. Not only do we own everything, but now we get to pull all of those films off everyone else's streaming services. Like, Netflix, you don't get any of the Marvel films anymore. Like, they're ours now. Simpsons, no, nah, that's gone. Like, wow. that's ours. Like, so, I, it's interesting. But one of, the, um, one of the divides is whether or not new TV series, do you drop them all at once or do you drop them one episode each week? Oh, yeah. And w- w- where do you stand on that? I hate one episode at a time. I hate it so yeah. much. But, and, but this is, I think this is me being spoiled, right? Because I, like I grew up watching TV, but there were never very many TV shows I watched sort of weekly and I would, you know, hang out for and watch. Yeah. I grew up watching like Doctor Who maybe, but... By the time I was kind of old enough to, like, watch TV by... Like, that was always a family thing, right? So that's mm-hmm. sort of different. But by the time I'm, like, choosing my own TV and watching it, I'd, I had Netflix. And also YouTube is the other thing. Yeah. So, to me, having to wait a week for a new episode is so frustrating. Yeah. I don't, I don't enjoy it. Yeah, as a super casual TV watcher, I would agree with that because I yeah. probably... And again, this is not like, you know, I play, I just play computer games instead. Like I don't, if I'm got, yeah. if I've got like screen time, there's just the odds of me turning on a TV show. It's just so unbelievably low or a movie. It's, I would just play a game instead. Um, 100%. And 
But if I somehow do, I don't know what compelled me the other day. I think I was really tired or something. I sat in bed and put on Netflix and watched because I was like, oh, everyone says this show is really good. I'll give it a crack. And ended yeah. up watching the, just like in one shot, watched the whole first season of Shit's Creek and was like, wow, that's really funny. Yeah, <laughs> I, right. It really so resonated good. with me. Um, but had it had been one episode, I'd have been like, I will never watch that again. But because the whole season is there, I was like, just couldn't stop watching it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's so good. Um, I'm I'm like you. I also I don't know. It takes a lot to keep me invested in coming back, especially because for me, it's often YouTube or or the the like production companies that start on YouTube. So things like Rooster Teeth. Okay, yeah. Because I, often I don't actually have the attention span to watch. A half hour, little in like an hour TV show. Yeah, turns out. Yeah, yeah. If it doesn't really grip me, like, yeah, I'm just I'm just turn off. Or or I want to watch it all in one sitting, and I don't have an hour free that often. Exactly. Whereas I often have like 10, 15 minutes. You know, I'm gonna eat lunch for ten minutes. I'll watch. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I guess if you if you count any screen time that's non-interactive as like equivalent of some kind of tv or movie time i guess in that sense i do because yeah i often am on like youtube just watching people do cubes or drafts or streaming whatever yep. funny deck or something like that so like i watch a lot of magic so maybe that's something i guess that's just the tv that i watch is just people playing magic yeah that's let yet another thing that competes with netflix is twitch <laughs> oh of course yeah yeah that's right yeah man 100 it's because it's all the same screen time now because people don't really watch tvs that much no. the only thing i ever watch on actual tvs is if i'm like maybe watching a movie with my family yep but the main thing is i watch sport and even that i, I can now very easily watch on my laptop and my phone <sighs> so again that's only like i'll watch it on tv because i'm watching it with my dad and we're watching football together yeah that's something that blew my mind this year is my willingness to watch football games on my phone even if, yep. even like often I'll be sitting there right in front of a huge screen, but just the convenience <laughs> of having it on the phone, because I'll be like cooking dinner or whatever. So I'll just kind of like prop it up on the thing while I'm cooking dinner. Like, yeah, I'm watching like big name or like, you know, big HD sports and stuff, but on a phone screen, because it's just <laughs> so damn convenient. And I never would have thought it that I've done that. Like even the way that sports are streamed via the internet now, like I was always like, well, that's the thing that. Foxtel's always got is the HD sports. You just cannot do live sports on any other platform. Mm -hmm. It's like KO and everyone came along and was like, oh, no, you, yep. you absolutely can. And we'll just do it now. And you can actually rewind whenever you want and yep. pause and do whatever you want. It's like KO oh. is the reason my family canceled our Foxtel subscription yep. earlier this year. Yep. We'd had Foxtel for like, I don't know, 10, 15 years or whatever. Yep. And it got to the point where I was like, the only thing we watch is me and dad watching football. Yep, exactly. And like, that's on KO. So why would I pay for the rest of Foxtel? That's exactly what I did too. Yep. And, and someone, Gave me a, a Optus Sport one as well. So, like, for Premier League and oh, yeah. stuff, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Premier League, yeah. They were like, I'm, yeah, I'm an Optus and I never would ever watch a sport. So, just had my login. I'm like, oh, cool. All right. So. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The one thing I will say in defense of the one episode a week phenomenon, right? And something I find really interesting as, again, someone who's very interested in media and culture and society, essentially, mm -hmm. is that. It means when it releases, it creates this huge discourse. So the big thing I remember is Game of Thrones. I didn't watch Game of Thrones. I haven't read Game of Thrones. I have no interest in Game of Thrones. But I remember every like Wednesday or whichever day it came out, mm. suddenly Twitter and Facebook was just all Game of Thrones discussion yeah. for like a solid 24 hours. Yeah, man. And yeah. that's a really cool thing that like 
that cultural moment yes where enough of the world is focused on this one piece of culture and piece of media that when it comes out you're like everyone's talking about it, which you can't do when you've released an entire series no because they just watch it whenever they want yeah well everyone watches it where they and also you can't talk about it because it's not like everyone is at the same point no right? exactly because if i binge the entire series on day one but you're watching it you know an episode every three days yeah by the time you finished i'm not i don't want to talk about it anymore. yeah so those people who are slower if they care about it, they're going to like twitter black out themselves and stuff so they don't yeah yeah hear anything that they don't no yet uh, yeah is are we still in the golden age of television that everyone was talking about like five years ago with game of thrones and stuff does the streaming wars perpetuate the golden age of television P- probably does is there many good shows out I don't know. what I, I, okay so it comes down to how you define television right like it sounds like you're defining television as like series so like i think with the, the, when they were saying that was when like breaking bad was on game of thrones yeah. Probably whatever other really good shows were on at the time, but like Mad Men or whatever that everyone was like loving and stuff like that. And they were like, now is like we are literally living in the best time it's ever been for television. Like these shows are like movie, like kick movies asses from like yeah. 10 years ago. They look so good and produce so well. Um, I don't know if it's yeah, still it's, there or. It's interesting. I don't know. Well, it's, I don't know. It's interesting because like that sort of thing seems like why would it ever go backwards? Because that's just people getting better at making these things, right? So like, that accumulated like uh, uh, knowledge, I guess, across the profession won't go away. So theoretically, we'll just keep getting better at making movies oh, and TV shows, right? Yeah, no, not necessarily. I don't think you can like not that you go backwards in production techniques or anything necessarily. Like it's not like you you forget how to do the good things that you were able to do before, but just that there there happened to be at that time a, a just an outburst of creativity. You know, it's it's like mm, kind of. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's hard to say for music as well because if you look hard enough, there's always been really good music too. So maybe there's always been good TV. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I guess you could say like, yeah, yeah. Actually, I was going to say like in the 90s, like all the shows were like those rubbish sitcoms. But then if, well, yeah, some people but- aren't a fan of it, but I'm like, what about Seinfeld? That was amazing. But I know not yeah, everyone's a fan of Seinfeld. I also don't know. So, like, even if we think they're rubbish now, how much of that is just, like, they aged poorly and they look bad now? But at the time, they were really big, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And, like, 10 years from now, will we look back at, you know, Breaking Bad and be like, yeah, exactly. it's fine. And these things always run over the top of each other because you're like, you had, you know, even in the quote-unquote golden age with Game of Thrones and stuff simultaneously, which... If you're a fan, I'm sorry, but I just cannot understand why anyone would watch this. That um, I keep thinking it's called Third Rock from the Sun, but it's not. It's the one with the geeks, and they live in the apartment. Um, uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with Sh- Sheldon. Big Bang Theory. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so that show was simultaneously running during the golden age of television. So I'm like, there's good and bad always, I guess. Well, it's interesting because that show was very successful, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So you, you can say it wasn't good, but... Uh, no, but I think it was successful, but some things are successful, but like roundly understood to kind of be like just fodder, like not really. Is that right? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think some things, well. Because even the people that enjoy it, they kind of know it's like, they're like, yeah, this is no like, you know, Game of Thrones or whatever. <laughs> it's the difference between film and TV as art and as like quality productions and as a commercial product Mm. but i feel like you can do both and i do think there's a difference and people can tell people can tell they're like 
they're like, this thing's funny, but it's not like amazing. I understand it's not high quality. And that's fine. Yeah, it was like when I was growing up, there were so many shows that were just really rubbishy. Like there was always like some really nice house in like, I don't know, pick a state. Like it's they're living in Kentucky or whatever. And it's like in this nice little house. And he's like, he'll be like a post person, like, you know, like delivering the mail. But he's like living in this like super sweet house with like two kids and a beautiful wife and they have all this money and stuff. Like every show was just kind of rubbishy like that. It was like just the day in, day out of some stupid family somewhere. And that yeah. maybe was not a gold. Maybe that was like the, the, the I don't know, bronze television age. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. This is so bad. This is like taking someone who openly knows nothing about film and, and television and being oh. like you do a podcast where that's what you talk about now and absolutely just offend everyone i know that's what i was just thinking i was like if, if we were actually like tv critics or academics or whatever we'd know we'd be able to talk about like yeah so this is when there was a golden age and then these shows came out this <laughs> exactly. you're currently talking about the 90s i wasn't born in the 90s i don't know what tv shows were made in the 90s like <laughs> I don't know. It was just all those silly. They were all the same. It started with that one with the that guy and his wife with the red hair, um, married with children. That kind of thing. Like he works in a shoe store, but I don't think he was supposed to be anyway. So I, I can tell that one wasn't very good because I don't know that one. Whereas I know Seinfeld. Okay, I'm pretty sure Married with Children was one of the biggest TV shows of all time. <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> married with children. <laughs> is it more or less famous than Cristiano Ronaldo? <laughs> uh, certainly less than him. I can't think. Can you think of a single, like, can you think of anyone more famous than Cristiano Ronaldo? Uh, I mean, so you could argue maybe Messi. They're probably oh, similar, sure. right? Yeah, yeah, okay. But it's like, yeah. It's like, but it's, it's, yeah. That's the same idea, though. That's just like. You might as well just kind of put them in the same, yeah. Actually, that's a good question. Is there anyone in the world who knows who one of them is, but not the other one? Impossible. Impossible. Surely not, right? Because like the oh. the people who know them is just circles. Un That's the uh, yeah, unless it was like someone who was so disinterested and disconnected from any sporting's culture and had just happened to have heard one of the names and was like, "Sure, that's literally the only football player I've ever heard of," or something. Uh, that would possibly, uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'd yeah. According to uh, Google, ninety-two percent of people liked Married with Children. So I thought you were saying ninety-two percent of people in the world know who Cristiano Ronaldo is. <laughs> I, was, I was like, "Wow, that's impressive." that Google knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. It's like, it's like our um, what's the like the statistical anomaly thing? Whatever is zero percent. We know yeah. this for a fact. Yeah, yeah. Can we can we put that on the Australian census? We're doing that later this year, right? Oh yeah, exactly. Do you know who either of these people are? Cristiano Ronaldo, <laughs> Lionel Messi. It's like a checkbox, you know. Yeah, exactly. well, we're going to work it out. We're going to find anyone. Like, because surely they would be more famous worldwide than like even any like Kim Kardashian or something. Surely, hundred percent. Yeah, they would have to be more 100%. famous than than. Yeah. Because they're much more famous in non-English speaking countries, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like you, you look at like any random shot of any city in anywhere in Africa or South America or probably most of Europe and now even most of yeah. Asia for that matter, some kid will have a Messi shirt on. Like some kid will yeah. or, or a Ronaldo shirt. 
Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I actually can't think of anyone who might be more famous because even though, like, it's definitely not, like, a politician or anyone like that. It's even, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess when you say a politician, like, I guess, like, Donald Trump, maybe. Maybe, yeah. So, like, Trump might be. He's the only one I would consider maybe. Yeah, but, I mean, he was already so famous, you know, before with that silly show he did and all, all of the other stuff. Well, I don't think he was... I don't think he was that famous outside of English-speaking countries before his pre- presidency. Probably not. No, no, no. Probably not. Yeah, that, that's a that's a really uh, big consideration. Like, I don't think anyone in China knew who or India knew who he was from. Yeah. You know. Oh, there would have been people that did, but yeah, not like. But not you know in the cultural zeitgeist, like what what he ended up becoming. Um, Messi's contract. <laughs> We've had 133 million euro per season. Wow. I've got to stop reading these articles. It's pretty good. That's not it's bad. It's pretty good. Yeah. Wow. So if uh, he wants to come finance the faction, uh, he's welcome. Yeah. And that would not include any, yeah, like of all the subsequent money he'd get. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah, that won't include any sort of like brand deals or, you know. No. How much he's being paid for whatever brand of shoe he wears. or Yeah, man, that's just too much. $210 million Australian a year. No one needs that much money. It's crazy. Okay. No, no one. Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I don't know what you do with that much money. No. <laughs> I don't know. Avoid paying tax and get in trouble with you. Like his dad, I think, mismanaged his tax affairs or something. Yeah. And, yeah God knows. <laughs> the faction sport podcast now whenever you hear a sports star and somewhere in the sentence is something to do with their dad how often is it a horrible thing like it, it's never like oh wow their dad just turns out to be this like awesome dude who's like helped their the career only exception along. is when it's when it's oh their dad played for this club oh, or whatever exactly yeah so true yeah Yep. Yeah. Either their dad played for this club or their dad has stolen all their money and now they're going to jail. <laughs> There's no in between. Yeah, or, exactly. yeah, or yeah, their dad's gone to jail. Because no one wants to know about their normal father oh, who was true, an accountant and like is probably now retired because their son earns two hundred and ten million dollars <laughs> a year. Yeah. I sure hope his his dad is like I sure hope your parent would be retired if you earned that much money. I like, think if you're at that level of foot particularly in the, the football soccer world, if you're at that level of earning you your dad probably wasn't an accountant. Like, he probably was, you know, playing kick-to-kick with you from literally the moment you were born. Like, you just go on YouTube and look at, like, three-year-old kids in Brazil and stuff and, like, just bouncing the ball off their whole body and, like, just doing the most incredible stuff. It always amazes me seeing people, and this is not just football, but just anything that people do from a really, really young age and seeing five-year-olds just do things that, like, I have no hope of doing it as an adult. The thing that the one that always gets me is rollerblading and ice skating. Oh, really? I am a very mediocre ice skater slash rollerblader, right? Okay. But you go to a rink, and inevitably there's some five year old going backwards and doing circles and jumps yeah, and man. stuff. And I'm just like, and it just as natural as walking to them. Yeah. Yep. And yep, it yep. always amazes me. Yeah. Just- I went to um when I was in Colorado, we went skiing on Vale, and we accidentally got on the wrong. Um, ski lift and because I'd never been to the snow before other than like two centimeters of snow in London once yep. and we went right up to the top of the mountain like just the, we like hired snowboards having never skied or snowboarded in our lives went right to the top and we're like cool 
and didn't realize that all the signs, those like black X's and all of that stuff were like, you're supposed to actually really know what you're doing up here. Yeah, yeah. And black runs. Yeah, uh, I yeah. mean, I know that black runs are bad. So, we're like bumbling our way, like <laughs> sitting on the side, falling over every two feet. This is- Sorry, you've never been to the snow before? One time, but like point? never put on, n- never anywhere near it being enough to ski or snowboard on. Yeah. And this was yeah. like Vail, Colorado, like massive snow, middle of winter. It was super sweet. But uh, yeah, no, I'd highly, the thing with kids is that the kids were like doing backflips over the top of our like bent and, you know, broken corpses yeah. as we're like rolling yeah, down yeah. the hill. And then finally they just came and picked us up in those buggies. <laughs> we were like, you, like, had to shame get taken off the mountain. <laughs> oh, good times. And then I went back and I handed in the snow ski stuff. And I was like, dude, like the snowboard. And then I was like, nah. He's like, dude, you've hired it for a week. Like, you can use it all week. I'm like, I am not trying that again. That was so bad. He's like, it ended up finding out where we tried to ski. He's like, you know, there's like a whole other mountain that you're supposed to go on if you're a beginner and they teach you how to do it and stuff. I was like, whatever, just take it back. I'm not doing it. <laughs> so all done with my skiing career and the fact that the those um ski lifts I was just white knuckle terrified on it it's just I don't know how those things ugh. if you don't like heights definitely don't go on a ski lift yeah yeah all right well when we do faction champs snow edition you and me can stay inside and play cube that's or right like yes please. go tobogganing or something that's right we can make snowmen <laughs> like go in the, yeah. in, in the hot tub oh, yeah i'm definitely not yeah going up in a in a ski lift oh my god <sighs> okay so magic what are we what are we five minutes into this oh no <laughs> 30, yeah 30 yeah <laughs> Well, that'll do us for this week. Thanks for listening. We- <laughs> exactly. It's what happens if Trent and Kyle aren't here to kick our asses. Right? Yeah. We just, it was going tangents talking about Ronaldo movies and, and the golden age football. Of tele- Can you call this the golden age of television? <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a new podcast. I think this is, we're, we're naming something else. This is a spin off now. We're not. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love it. Yeah. You've been playing Magic, haven't you? Uh, I have played some Magic, so I did an in-person paper draft this weekend, which I think is the first time I've played paper Magic since February. Wow. Maybe? Something like that. No, it's not. That's not true. That's not true. It's... Okay, so in April, maybe? Back when we were talking about the Good Games Oh, yeah, of course. Yep, that's right. Yeah, so we did that. That was the last one. Yep. Before we did that, so the finals of that was sealed, right? So the night before or the weekend before, maybe... A few of us went to Shane's house and we were just cracking. No, it was the night before. We were just cracking um, sealed pools. We talked about this. You were there for that. Yeah. And 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 I decided I was going to order some basics. I ordered some white border, like oh, that's fourth right, yes. edition or something basics. Yeah. And they they did not arrive in time for. They arrived like three weeks later, which I think is just a COVID thing because normally Card Kingdom are very fast. Mm-hmm. We're not sponsored, but if they would like to sponsor us, we're open to it. Yeah, I guess we could. Just check my card game if you're listening. Just just log into my account and have a look and just give us a bit of that money back. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always have to be open to sponsors of any sort. That's right. Really. Um, if Coke wants to sponsor us, it might not make up the four mil that you lost from Ronaldo. Uh, but, you four, know. four billion? Four billion, sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. 
Anyway, so I ordered those and they, they didn't arrive, so I didn't get to use them. And then we didn't play Paper Magic for like two months because Melbourne went back into lockdown and, you know. Mm-hmm. So on the weekend, we did this draft on Saturday. So obviously, you know, that's my chance to use these basics, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, I went out the night before. Oh, no. I went out with my, my partner and some of her friends. And we went a bit harder than I was expecting mm-hmm. and thus left his house, um, her friend's house, later than I expected. And I spent more time at her house than expected and then had a bunch of public transport delays. As a result, I didn't have time to go home before the draft. No. So I just went straight there. Yep. No sleeves, no deck box, no anything. And did not get to use my basics. Damn. Ah. So they're still sitting on my desk. Over here. I can't wait to see them. They're, they're really nice. Just say, I, I, they turned up, I opened the package, took them all out, looked at them, went, wow, these are really nice. Had them spread out and went, yep, and then put them back in the, the like little card box and they've been sitting there ever since. Ah, nice. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah so. I look forward to it. Do you get many, when you're looking at fourth ed lens, are there many options for each type or? Yeah, there's still like five arts per set yeah, I think, wow. back then. Huh. No. Yeah. So eventually I'll get to use them. But we did do we did a Modern Horizons 2 draft and none of us had really looked at the cards at all. I could tell you all of the like constructed playable ones. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't help that much for draft. I, so yeah. there was a lot of reading going on. I think most of us had some idea of what the archetypes were meant to be, but you know, I knew that like blue white is affinity and red white is modular. I don't know what any of the cards are. I don't know which like signpost cards are meant to be looking for or anything like that. And having no one uh, at the, the rest of the table knowing that stuff either means that, I mean, you just can't, right. yeah, can't expect anything. I mean, we got to the end of the draft and like five of us, five or six out of the eight all went, wow, my deck sucks. <laughs> nice. Did they play out well or? It, they did. It was, so I think the draft one was really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. I must admit my, my drafting experience was colored by the fact that Pack one, I opened an old boarded Arid Mesa and went, oh, well, that's my draft paid for. <laughs> and at that point, it was much more relaxed. Yeah, that's super sweet. Wow. It was like, I don't really care how the rest of this draft goes now. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, I guess there's always that chance to open something that's really nice in a set like that. Yeah. Now, remember that, again, I, I came unprepared, so I don't have sleeps after drafting this oh. Arid Mesa. Oh, no. Did Tell me someone had... I guess you could just No, I played Unslaved. Um, luckily, it didn't end up in my deck. Okay, great, yeah. <laughs> and also, I didn't have to play Alex, Alex Crowther, who is renowned for aggressively riffle shuffling. Oh, yeah. Yep. We got there, and he, he was telling us... Well, he and Shane were telling us the story of the time Shane opened a foil hydroid crisis in a draft and didn't have sleeves, <laughs> and then had to play against Alex. Oh, no. <laughs> like, stop. And, oh. and this was when, you know, hydroid crisis was an expensive card instead. Oh, yeah. It's... So luckily, I both didn't play against Alex and also didn't end up playing the Arid Mesa in my deck. Oh, and how did you go? Uh, I went two one, I think. Cool. Yeah, I went two one. I lost my I lost my first round though, and the the prize was a the buyer box promo, a Sanctum Prelate. Mm-hmm. At which point, I wasn't playing for anything. Also, I wasn't really playing for very much anyway because I didn't really go to you know draft competitively. I'm mostly there to eat food and chat to friends. Yeah, hell yeah. But I did go to one with a blue-white affinity deck with, like, I had three of the, the new Mirror Enforcer and just 
almost every i think every creature on my deck was an artifact oh cool i played against leo in round two and he face up sided out his bone shredder oh because it just it, it does had nothing zero yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. wow so that was fun and the, the format seems really sweet like the draft format was very cool i was looking at the cards and thinking i don't know how good these cards are but all of these cards feel like they have different synergies and you know i can imagine scenarios where each of these cards are good mm-hmm. and i can imagine decks so that seems good to me yeah yep yep yeah um so that was fun though that was just good fun nice hang out i understand you played some highlander right i did yeah they had um Maze in Fitzroy has opened up a um, every t- every fortnight. They do a Wednesday night Highlander now, uh, which is super super cool. Um, I, That's super. Cool. Yeah, I turned up a little bit early and went to sign up. And the guy behind the counter was like, "Oh, you're probably going to want to see if anyone you know turns up first. So I'm thinking they'll turn up. It's Highlander. They just Highlander's got the most incredible community. And of course, there was like thir- thirteen players turned up. And yeah, um, super. Good. It was really, really cool because the deck that I'm still playing in Highlander is Isaac Egan's Academy deck, which, mm-hmm. in my humble opinion, is honestly one of the best decks. It's just the best. I could play it all day long, all night long, and just love it so much. It's just so much fun. Um, the wins are just so epic. You thread the needle for so long, and when you get there, it's just amazing. Um, I think I've learned how to mulligan a bit better with it and um, how to sequence. but. He was there, Isaac, and he was playing the same deck. And um, it was amazing. So I got to play against him. And we had like three extremely epic games, which was so cool to be able to play against the dude who uh, designed the deck. Um, And usually design... (laughs) The other funny thing I thought, it must be funny for him actually as well, because when you design a deck that's got like x amount of however many thousands of dollars worth of insane cards including a time twister that's yeah. um, yeah, expensive ads. yeah and okay. like um just so much insane stuff in there it's like the odds of you literally sitting across the table from someone who's like oh sweet yeah i love the deck that you have i'll I just build it and then get to play it against like the mirror match you would never be expecting the mirror match so, no, I don't think you ever expect mirror matches in Highland. No, oh, but sometimes you get like similar-y kind of matches, but I don't think you would even expect to have something that similar because all your opponents seem to think it's they're like on this kind of thing that it's like this like an art because they see artifacts and um, things like Grim Monolith mm. and stuff. They're like, oh, it's like a like a ramp deck, but it doesn't really ramp. It doesn't ramp into anything. It's it's just one of these decks where it's like it's like you're climbing a ladder and you like solve one little thing so you climb to the next rung and then to the next rung and each rung helps you get a little bit further along the string to try and find your victory like you're not just straight up ramping into an Ugin and being like i guess i win like you've really got to kind of figure out your way to get there and that's cool Mm -hmm. and it's super cool when you're playing the mirror match as well because you're both trying to do that around each other doing things like playing you know the khan that then starts you know all kinds of weird artifact shenanigans. It's, yeah, really cool. Wait, like the Stony Silence card? Yeah, man. So That one seems like... It doesn't seem that interactive. That seems like you just put a one-sided Stony Silence in play in the artifact mirror. But often they'll have a way to, like, attack it or deal because you don't... You're not, like... No one's really got, like, lots of creatures or anything. So it can just be very... Um, yeah, it's it's just cool. Very, very... Many, many very, very cool things happened. <laughs> that's cool yeah that is very cool yeah i wanted to mention 
you, you, you touched on the expense of Highland. You sort of alluded to it. I know a store, one of the Melbourne stores who shall remain nameless in case, you know, there are Watsy employees listening to this podcast, I guess, <laughs> when asked about their their proxy policy for Highlander, responded along the lines of, the official store policies, we're not allowing proxies, but we'll be too busy to check, which... <laughs> so good. I just, I just really appreciate that, you know, that having that, not policy, but that mentality, I guess, around, especially something like Highlander, because I'm sure... If you ask any player, they just want more people to play. Exactly, you know? exactly. You know? yeah. Especially for especially for like Highlander, because yeah. Highlander decks get really, really expensive. Yes, exactly. They do. Yeah. Same in Commander, and you know. Yeah. I think people are really wising up to the idea that like some of these cards simply are just out of reach of you know most people, and if you yeah. can't do it, that shouldn't really stop you. Especially, and this is what kills me with a card like Time Twister is it's such a fun card and such a good card and it plays so well in so many decks that denying someone the the ability to do that because they bought a car instead of buying a piece of cardboard it's just right? seems so wacky to me. I just can't get my head around it. So when you hear a comment like that from a store that, you know, yes, proxies are illegal and they shall not be allowed in this tournament, Unfortunately, we'll be very busy on the day and won't be able to check anyone's deck. Yeah. It's just like, cool, man. Yeah. 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 So, that is great. The other magic I played this week was... <laughs> so, after this draft, which finished at 11.30-ish, I got home at midnight Yep. on Saturday night. I discovered... Actually, I discovered earlier this day. So, I suppose we didn't have a podcast last week. So, last week, thank you for last, I played... I actually played the Saturday night challenge, so at 1 a.m. I went 1, 2, dropped from that, signed up for a 5K that was happening at the same... It had started at, like, 3 a.m. Yeah. I think I went 1, 2, or 2, 2, dropped from that. So I, did, oh. I didn't get very far. Yeah. It was really good. It was, like... Actually, it wasn't a 5K. I think it was a 1K, maybe, but there were, like, less... No, I think it was a 5K with, like, less than 100 people. Okay. It was, like, theoretically good EV. How is this different from a poker tournament, late. by the way? It sounds literally like you're describing online poker. It's a good question. Is it always when you when they say five k like that means dollars? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It's a good question. Mm-hmm. It seems very gambly to me. Not being in the moto kind of like scene or anything. Well, that sounds very much just is. like poker. Well, it's it's yeah, it's very similar. But man, people have people like to have the illusion. They like to think that they have more control over the outcome of their magic matches than they do. Yeah. But realistically, it was like I paid fifteen bucks to play in a magic tournament. Yeah, I guess, you know, I guess so. And you yeah. add up enough people and then there's a prize pool and money and stuff. It's just so funny when, when you describe the event as a 5K or 1K, I'm like, that just sounds totally like a poker event. Yeah, well, we don't really have them in Australia anymore. We used to have, not 5Ks, but we used to have 1Ks and then half ks for a while. Okay. And they're more common like in, in paper, the US, you mean? I think. Yeah, in paper. Oh, cool. Where would they do those? Uh, Lab used to run them when they were really big. I don't really remember, but, you know, so we used to have them a bit, but then we had PPTQs, which just took over all competitive magic because you can't run events. And then I think a lot of the time <laughs> back in the golden age of magic, when, like, organized play was more connected, so things weren't 1Ks, they were PTQs with a 1K prize pool. Or, you know, yeah, were, man. Oh, that I sort see. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've lost all the, the meaningful names and it's just, like, down to... Correct. The prize pool, okay. 
Yeah, yeah we've reached sense. the point where you don't... They're not advertised as PTQs or whatever because those don't exist, so you're just advertising based on the prize pool. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyway, I played both of those uh, with Bant Ephemerate and went badly because I played against a bunch of decks I wasn't expecting and I was playing like a toolbox prison deck and <laughs> you know, it, it went poorly. Oh, I love to hear those words. I just, I love to hear those words. <laughs> I decided to play a toolbox prison deck. It did not go well. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like something I would do. Um, so, yeah. So then the next night, for some, God, I don't know why. So the, the Sunday night challenge is at 9pm, right? I had, I have work on Mondays. But somehow I convinced myself to play it. And I played a blue-red chef. Emery Thought Mode Urza deck. Mm-hmm. And I did okay, I think. I think it's fine. I played played most of the rounds, I think. Okay. To what was your result? It's a really good question. It was, you know, it was a week and a bit ago. I don't remember. Okay, sure, sure. But I think I played all of the rounds. So I think I was like four and three or five and two or something. Okay, like well, cool. It's like decent. And then I didn't play Magic for a week. I decided, you know what? I've, I've, it's not worth being nocturnal over the weekend. Yeah. Because, like, it, you know, like, when you play a 1 a.m. tournament, you don't really get a Sunday, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's just hearing the starting times of these things. I'm amazed that you do them at all. That's incredible. Yep. Anyway, so I wasn't, I didn't play any magic all week. Didn't think about magic. We didn't do a podcast last week. Wasn't playing to play. And then I found out this weekend was, they're called showcase challenges. So they happen. So they lead towards the mocks, which is the biggest, the big Magic Online tournament. Mm-hmm. And the showcase challenges happen every, I want to say like two or three months. Okay. And you enter them with QPs, with qualifier points, rather than like tickets. So they're kind of free entry, sort of. How do you get qualifier um, points? By winning stuff? By like playing leagues and challenges and okay. things like that. Okay. So I had accumulated them because I'd played quite a lot of Magic. And, you know, I looked at it and I was like, you know what? Like, the, the tournament, theoretically, the tournament EV is quite good because qualifying for the mocks is really, really good. And also, like, I have these qualifier points that I otherwise just won't get to use properly. I was like, you know what? We'll see how I feel after the draft, but maybe I'll play. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to play, like, what's the deck I can play that doesn't require much decision making? Yeah. Um, which proved to be a good choice because, as I said, I got home at midnight and it, the tournament started at 1 a.m. And I had <laughs> been out for a relatively large night. I say out. We're actually just drinking at a friend's house. But, you know, had a big night Friday night. Didn't sleep that well. Then went out and drafted Saturday night. Got home at midnight. So I'm not really in the headspace for playing competitive magic. But I've worked out the deck that I thought, you know, this deck I think is reasonably well positioned and it requires almost no decision making. And that is the Glimpse of Tomorrow deck. Oh, what does this do? I just saw something about this. Wait. Oh, wait, wait. Glimpse of... Hold on. Is that where you're just, like, cascading for free? Yeah. So, this list is another one of the Cascade Shenanigans decks. Okay. Playing... This, my version had 10 three-mana Cascade spells. But rather than cascading into Crashing Footfalls or Living End, you cascade into Glimpse of Tomorrow, which is a one-sided warp world, right? Oh, yeah, and okay. this deck is set up to just go off repeatedly because 
you play a bunch of cards that just put permanents in place. This, card has, this deck has four county garden, which is just a land that makes a plant when it comes into play. Oh, it has four chancellor yep, of the yep, forge. Yep, yep. Okay. Just give yes. you a free goblin on your upkeep. Yes. And then it has goblin dark dwellers to flash back the glimpse. And it has the four color omnath and also tireless provisioner to make a bunch of mana when you do this. Okay. Which then lets you cast like, if you have another cascade spell in your hand, you can cast it. Yes, exactly. Go off. It has Season Pyromancer that makes tokens and also just, like, rips through your deck. It's, it's, um, this, this, this is the deck that people have been complaining crashes Modo, because okay. sometimes it puts, like, 100 triggers on the stack at once. Yeah, this is, um, sorry, I know this, of course, from watching Saffron Olive play it, but it's a similar, I don't think it's a bit older than this, this is, like, a couple of weeks ago, and it was, yeah. it, I don't know if yours, it played, like, Shardless Agent and stuff to get the Cascade triggers. Yep. Um, four Shardless Agent, four Violent Outburst. I have two Iron yeah, Play. Yep. yep. And then his was four Archon of Cruelty, four Ionas, four Emrakuls. Yes. Like just all kinds of crazy stuff. So that's the older version that used to just try and high roll by putting like Omniscience or an Eldrazi or whatever in play. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. That's what he was doing. That's right. Yep. The problem with that is that sometimes you put an Emrakul in play and then your opponent has a Solitude. Oh, sure. Okay. Also, this this deck is much more consistent at going off, I think. Um, because it's very good at rebuying and just like you cast it the first time with five permanents in play, then you flip permanents and you have almost all permanents, right? So you probably put all permanents. You probably end up with more permanents in play than you started with because you put Season Pyromancer in play or you put Calming Garden in play or yeah. you put Tireless Provisioner and some lands in play. That's what I think. Yes. And then you can kill on the same turn either by. So you can kill them with Omnath Triggers. Yeah. Because. The third ability of Omnath deals four to your opponent. That's so sick. Yeah. So you can, like, you know, the first one you put an Omnath in three lands in play, so that deals four to them. And then you cast it again with Dark Dwellers or something. You put two Omnaths in play, and they each trigger three times, and that's eight more damage. And then and so then mostly sick. whenever you put Chancellor of the Forge in play, it makes, like, a 1-1 Goblin for each creature you have, and the Goblins have haste. Oh, so so that often will kill them. And then, like, Violent Outburst is an actual Anthem to, like, double the power of the Goblins is quite cool. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he, whenever he was cascading Violent Outburst, I was like, I wonder if there was there is some way where you could get this to actually like actually win off that second line. That's I absolutely funny. did. I cast Violent Outbursts and then didn't cast the Glimpse of Tomorrow I cascaded it into because I just wanted to use it as like a anthem effect. Yeah, and to wow, win games. Cool. That happened a couple of times. I can see here that you came twenty eighth. That's amazing. I did come twenty eighth. I ended up. It was a 10-round event. There were 426 players, Oof, wow. which was horrific. I went 7-3. and three. I started out 6-1, and one, I think. Oh, my gosh. I lost two of my last three. So I was live for quite a while. Mm-hmm. The sideboard is really simple as well because I copied someone else's sideboard. So it's there's only four cards in the sideboard, and it's 4-4-3. Four, four, <laughs> so it's very obvious when you bring in each of the cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this deck requires basically no thought, right? Because... Your entire game plan revolves around casting one of your ten cascade spells. Yep. Whilst having like preferably like five permanents in play. Four or five. Yes, exactly. Yep. So all you do is like you cast any spells you can on the first two turns, which is basically like you cast a wave sifter, maybe you play a county garden. Yes, yep. And then on turn three you just like start jamming your cascade spell. And if they have counter spells, I guess it's a little bit different, but then you that's why there's four mystical disputes and four teferis in the sideboard. Mm, yep. But against the majority of decks, they can't do anything about your combo. And no one wants to kill, like, a plant token from a county gun. If yeah. they are, they're probably not winning anyway. Man. And then you just, like, 
Even all the triggers, right? There's not really choices to make with the triggers. It's just clicking them to put them on the stack. Yes, yep. So that was my, my theory behind playing this deck, was that it's it's not vulnerable to creature removal. Like, it's quite good against the um, the the aforementioned Emery Urza decks. Mm-hmm. And I knew I wouldn't have to think at all. And yep. I absolutely did. I, I, I was talking to... Well, I was talking to... I was sending Kyle messages as... I usually do as I play tournaments. And I was basically just saying, you know, like, I didn't make any decisions this game. My seven, you know, like, my seven card hand didn't have a cascade spell, so I mulliganed. My six card hand did. I played three lands and then I cast my spell and I won. And that was the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny, actually, watching when I was watching a week ago, I'd have a Saffron Olive do it with that older version of it. I was thinking, man, I could actually just go hop into a league with this deck. This looks so hilarious. Like, how and and he did really well. Like yeah. he four won a league and only just lost the last game really narrowly. Um, yep. Yeah. It seems like. Fun. So I'm the only person who top thirty two with this deck in this tournament, but it has been pushed by a couple very good players. Like Sodex been playing it. There were a couple other players who I respect who have been playing, which is the other reason I played it was I thought it was actually probably quite good. Mm-hmm. And it was really good. I really hope it's. I'm really glad I was the only person who did well with it because if this deck was actually good. That would be horrific. So there are hate cards for it, mm-hmm. but if the deck's actually good, like, I don't know if, were you playing during when Marvel was clearly the best deck in standard? Yes, I was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was That was like the height of my standard. Yeah. Yeah. So you probably remember those mirrors, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like the mirrors were completely absurd. Like eventually you got to play Braid, so there was some interaction, but a lot of the time it was just like, well, we're going to race to see who puts their four mana artifact in play first. And then when you put it in play and activate, you have to hope you don't whiff. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which is effectively what you're doing here. As soon as you cascade, it's like your board could just turn Correct. into like nothing. I absolutely lost one game where I had five permanents in play. So five is usually a safe number. Yep. In my experience, my limited experience with this deck. And one of the games I like put two lands in play and revealed three of my like six spells or whatever. Mm-hmm. And was like, well, I probably lose this game. Yeah, now. exactly. It's <laughs> just like, yeah. It doesn't feel like I'm playing magic. I'm just rolling dice. Yeah, that was the same thing when he lost that game in the when he went four one. Was that the one game that he lost was like he twice I think got to roll with like seven permanents out and just totally whiffed twice in a row. And was like, okay, <laughs> sometimes you just can't win. Yeah. So I think this deck was pretty good. It was perfect for what I needed, which was a decent deck that required no thought. Uh, I'm really glad it's not better than it is because it's kind of miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Even playing it, I was like, this isn't really fun. Like, yeah, well, exactly. It's a little bit fun. There's a little bit of glee in me casting my spells and just realizing like, wow, you are like, my opponent has no way to win this game. I yeah. played against like the old green black food decks a couple times. They'd play like turn one Blooming Marsh Gilded Goose. And I was just like, so no card in your deck matters to me. Yeah. At all. Yeah. And that's kind of gleeful and fun, but it's fun for a little bit. That's so true, man. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, when, when you get that big win off for the first few times. It's like, wow, that was so so crazy. And then, yeah, it's just totally non-interactive. And yeah. it reminds me of something like Hearthstone would have in it. Yeah. And it's very quickly like this. I'm not even playing Magic. Yeah. Yeah. I could, it would, you know, the algorithm that plays this deck would actually be quite simple. And yeah, true. I'm so glad it's not good. I'm, yeah. Yeah. But I am probably going to build it in paper because... It'll be hilarious. It'll be exactly. kind of a pain to play in paper because of the entire, like, the deck is built around Warp World. Yes, I know, yeah. The deck is built around Warp World, which then puts, like, 
20 to 100 triggers on the stack. So playing in paper will be interesting. Yeah. But it's fairly cheap in paper. I thought the exact same thing. I was like, oh, this actually looks good enough to like just turn up at an FNM with and have a hilarious time. Look, I think you'd probably crush everyone except like the blue-white player. And the blue-white player would probably beat you. Yeah, most certainly. Yep. I think you're exactly right. You know, right. Yep. anyone try to play like Thoughtseize? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it'll be such a pain to resolve, right? Because you cast Glimpse, and it'll be five, and you have to shuffle, and then you flip five cards. And then you cast a second Glimpse for like 20, and it'll just... <laughs> it'll be a pain to resolve. Yeah. Um, I did see someone on Twitter, because obviously there's not that much paper magic going on right now, but someone on Twitter did say they played it through an FNM, and it was a horrific experience, and they wouldn't wish it on anyone. <laughs> and I did see that, and then continue to keep buying yeah, exactly, paper cards exactly. for this. I, so, think, no, I think you're onto something. I might take it to one F in it. Um, but it's also not that expensive a deck because apart from, like, the mana base is expensive, obviously, but I own most, I own basically all of these fetch lines. I've now bought four Misty Rainforests. Wow, nice one, man. Um, because they went down. So yep. I bought two original, like, Zendikar Italian ones. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, it won't get better than, I think, the prices for fetch. I was saying that even yeah. weeks ago. They're so good right now. Yeah. So I own most of these cards, so I'll probably just buy it. Chancellor of the Forges aren't that expensive, you know. Even Shardless Agent, not very expensive. Is it? Is it playing Brazen Borrower in the sideboard? The version uh, you- this version isn't. Okay. You could. Oh, yeah. This version is not. Yeah, I was going to say there's potentially a bit of cash there, but... There um, is, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's no, like Misty's and... Yeah. Very cool. Yep. So that was a lot of fun and... Um, I finished my rounds pretty quickly and I napped between rounds. <laughs> Amazing. Thank yeah. Well done. Yeah, so that was good. Modern has changed a bit, interestingly. So this top 32, I think two weeks ago we were talking about how I thought Amulet Titan was the best deck and I was really high on the the blue artifact decks with Emery and Yes, that's Co. right, yep. Yep, there was zero of either of those decks in the top 32 oh my of gosh. this showcase challenge. So that's quite a turnaround. They're the new, I guess the new kid on the block that won the tournament and had the most copies, had five copies in the top three, two was Blue Red Merktide, it's being called, which yes. is um, Blue Red Delver, but you don't play Delver because Delver's bad. You play Ragavan and the Dragon's Rage yeah, Channeler exactly. and Merktide region. Yep. Because the reason being, so the one drops are obviously just really pushed on, right? But Merktide region is basically unkillable because it doesn't die to Bolt, it doesn't die to Fatal Push. And no one's playing Path to Exile anymore because they're playing Prismatic Ending. Wow, yeah. Yep. And it doesn't die to Chef either because most of the time it'll have seven or eight toughness. Yeah, I'm just look reading it now. Yeah, exactly. So that's the key is that that card is just unkillable and then you get to play all the good cards like Force and Expressive Iteration. And, you know. Gee, what are the odds that they would release a Delve card and it's completely broken and topping? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Especially a blue Delve card. Haven't had that before. Yeah, exactly. It's like they always say these things like free spells, Dell spells. Isn't that, <laughs> they're like, that's the problem. We'll fix that. And then you're like, well, how has this happened? That's crazy. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. I remember on the Resleevables, which fantastic podcast, highly recommend. Second best magic podcast out there after us. Of course. Obviously. Actually, I'm not sure we're a magic podcast anymore. <laughs> no, they're the second best Home Alone podcast. Uh, and they were talking they they did their modern horizons episode it was really interesting they had michael majors on who helped design the set yeah wow and they were talking about the fact that blue delve cards are uniquely positioned to be broken 
because blue is like the best color at putting things in the graveyard without playing like specifically, you know, like mulch or like, you know, self mill cards. Yes. Because you just play a bunch of cantrips and like thought scour and stuff. Yeah. And so blue delve cards have a much higher like ability to be broken essentially because they're much more easily enabled and blue doesn't have that many good things to do with its graveyard. Mm-hmm. Outside of I guess Snapcaster Mage, right? So, sure. Yeah. But you can always just pick and, around that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And between so between that and the fact that I think DRC is a very good enabler, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's part of why. But yeah, as you say, who would have thought? Yeah. The blue Delve card. It's really good. Broken. Uh yeah, I do like this deck though. Uh again, I'm no modern yeah. expert, but I just like these it's really clean. Like it is. It's got its you know, four ofs. Land mm-hmm. is good. It's just works, yeah. I can see how this is yeah. really good. The decks aren't quite nailed down yet, you know. How many counter spells do you play? How many forces do you play? How many Archmage's Charms? But So there's still some room, which is cool. But, yeah, I like the deck quite a lot. And I, it's cool to have a Delver-style deck be good again. Yeah. I think that's nice for the sure. format. It's. Uh, I've seen some people express concern that it makes the format a bit similar to Legacy. Okay, sure, yeah. God, going through all these deck lists in this challenge, it's like, man, modern has changed so much. Wow. It sure has. So the other highlights from this top 32, there are 15 Dragon's Rage Channeler decks. Wow. So I think it's now probably the most played Modern Horizons 2 card. Isn't that it interesting? Has yeah. surpassed Urza's Saga. There are only four Urza's Saga decks in the top 32. Incredible. And they're all actually mono-white hammer decks. There are also five Crashing Footfalls decks and three Living End decks. There's quite a low cascade around. And then me is the only Glimpse of Tomorrow player. Amazing. Now, did you were you for or against um, Urza Saga getting banned? I was against it, I think. You can go back and fact check me on that. But. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, because I think I was too. And seeing that it's naturally being able to cycle around the format like this and it's not in every single deck right now is really cool actually it's almost like maybe they got the they got it just right on that card like it so yeah. easily could have gone over the top but it sounds like they may have yep. perfectly got it right um it's actually another addition as well to the obviously the artifact based academy deck because as you can imagine in academy decks that oh, card yeah. is just holy wow that was actually the one yeah. difference i don't have a copy of that card and um i had texted isaac before the thing he said are you bringing deck and make any changes it was like yeah at a, as a saga and i'm like oh my god that's brutal of course yeah fair enough <laughs> so he did have that yeah. and it was massively advantageous every game where he was able to play it <clears throat> but that synergy is just like off the charts in an academy deck um but even to see it be able to enable all these strategies in modern but still not obviously not completely overwhelm the format like everyone seemed to kind of think it would is uh yeah i think they got it just right it is cool it is cool definitely to see the format cycle around and we'll see next week possibly something else will cycle around to prey on the murktide decks that really jumped out this week yeah exactly yep definitely cool to see nice did you enjoy playing paper magic again i am enjoying paper magic actually it was very very good to play Paper Magic. Welcome, Trent. Hello. Hello. How are we? He's like, I've been here the whole time. I just <laughs> didn't, didn't feel the need no, to say I, anything. 
Most certainly haven't. No, most certainly have <laughs> not been here the whole time. Yeah, no, we both played a bit of uh, Paper Magic. You'll have to yeah, have a listen back. We're uh, Highlander. Yeah, I, I know I know you did. I'm uh, a little bit jealous That's and very, very much cool. envious. I've kind of forgotten what what cardboard feels like outside of the seven absolutely destroyed cards that I flip when I'm at home. <laughs> yeah, this poor uh, Sadisi brood tyrant is uh, copped an absolute <laughs> fucking beating. Yep. I've started buying paper magic cards, so I currently just have, like, some misty rainforests and full art solitudes sitting on my desk, still in the in the top loaders they came in, because I bought them, and they arrived, and I looked at them and went, wow, those are pretty, and then thought, I have nothing to put them in at the moment, so I'll just leave them here, because I don't need them in a deck. Nice. How much did the foil art or full art uh, foil solitudes cost you? Well, they're non-foil, oh, okay. but they cost me 25 or 30 I think. Okay, that's... That's really good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not uh, with no actual modern paper modern events definitely on the horizon. I'm not going out and just buying cards on mass, but I have been picking up, especially modern horizons cards when they're when they're cheap, when they're out there. Where have you been sourcing them from? Just Facebook groups. Rob's MTG auctions is obviously great. I'm, I'm sure many Australian Magic players know. Do you have things you want to talk about now that you're on Trent? No, I uh, unfortunately I really don't have any any magic whatsoever. Um, I've been extremely waylaid with work as of the past basically mm-hmm. fortnight, and that's basically the reason yep. as to why I'm on late tonight as well as traveling back from a weekend of work in Bendigo and uh, and a Monday that was supposed to be getting my uh, finances in order for the end of tax season turned into another day mm-hmm. of work. So, mm. yeah, I really haven't had the chance. I know i seen the league weekend play for the uh, no longer MPL was on today and uh, didn't bother to watch that. Yep. And the gauntlets, so the gauntlets are coming up. They are the weekend before a new set releases. Yeah, it doesn't the new set release on... Arena or MTG or whatever, like, pretty soon, like in two weeks or So, something. yeah, so the, the Dungeons & Dragons set comes out mm, this coming week, I think, oh maybe. So they've put this league weekend on the last weekend of that format. But then the next set, which is the, the next set of tournaments, which is, like, the Gauntlets, which are... Well, they were meant to determine who ends up in MPL and who ends up in Rivals and stuff. I don't know what they're doing now. Ah, yeah. But they're right before the next set releases, which is Innistrad, I think. Okay. So just more terribly planned, organized play. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. It's tough out there for uh, us Magic players and consumers and just general uh, enthusiasts of the game to keep up. Yes, I would agree with that. I did see they advertised for a senior producer of competitive play or something. Basically, someone to come in and run the OP system. I did see this, yes. And I saw this because I saw Cedric talking about playing. Yes. And I would like them to just hire him and write him a blank check and say, fix it. Yeah. And that would be good. I feel like he's got some of the credentials. Like, surely. And they're they're nailed down over years and years of, you know, the SCG. I mean, many people have regarded 
SCG is you know may not be the the top level premier play because obviously you you know you they don't have the uh, the widespread um, like the, the I suppose like uh, going across the rest of the world like uh, say the well the old Wizard to Play network did and the pro tours but yeah a lot of people love it and a lot of people love those tournaments and I loved watching them and I'm pretty sure everyone else did so that would be uh, that would be great for the game. Yeah, yeah, it'd be really nice if they just made it simple and you were like, I'm watching the Pro Tour, cool. This is like the best thing. Not, you know, watching some league of a thing of a, I have no idea what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I have, uh, I have spent my precious no time, like just when I'm laying in bed or whatever, I usually watch something on Twitch or whatever, and I've actually gone back and been watching rounds of old Pro Tours. Yeah, man. And just watching, uh, what did I watch? I watched Pro Tour Rivals Vixilan uh, last night, a couple of the first rounds. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's that's been, God, just just give us that back. Like, I know, yeah. Please, yeah. that's, <laughs> I don't need much more. I don't need any more. Just, that's, that was the, that was nuts, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I still watch those videos. They're so good. <laughs> the yeah, play, and there's something fantastic. so theatrical about the handling of the cards and everything, that the mind games, the expressions on their faces and everything. It's so not the same. And I know, like Pandemic, I get it, you know, it's, and lots of other things, but it's like watching an arena match <laughs> on a stream is just, it's just not the same. I mean, yeah, like you say, you say, you know, pandemic and everything, but oh, they were killing it before that, anyway. Yeah, yeah, the world's experienced now. Like we've all experienced COVID, we're still experiencing COVID. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I don't know if it's an excuse anymore. No, 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 exactly. And they were doing this long before COVID, anyway. It was heading in this direction, oddly, and it's always ah, uh, yeah, it's just so funny because you just kind of want to be like, guys. It, hardly cost you anything to do this stuff yet it brings so much joy to so many people just ah, just do it yeah it's oh. really interesting one of the things that i really have i've always admired is when you look at a two people playing magic from a camera like an overhead camera and you just see the way the people flick the cards or play their lands or tap their mana or draw their cards and back when it was simpler and there wasn't you know, there was tournaments, you know, you could go to your FNM and you could go to your weekly modern or your weekly legacy or whatever. It, it, you always took for granted how different people played the game and you always thought about how you played the game or how you shuffled your cards or how that other guy shuffled their cards and how that was, you know, you didn't really like that or you thought it was goofy or whatever. And now we just don't have that. Yeah, man. And I miss that so much. I miss that part of it a lot. Just... Mm-hmm. The way people shuffled their decks, the yeah. way they presented, the way they held themselves when they played Magic, uh, the way you held yourself when you played Magic, just... Yeah. I missed that so much, my man. That helped me. That was like my first, when playing the game, oh, I'm going to start actually, I can like start to try and get good at this game, was after watching uh, YouTube, like when Star City, I don't know if they still do them, the VS series, like the Versus series, and yep. watching Brad Nelson... And the way he was just so smooth with his actions and his thought processes and just watching this was like, you can play magic like that? 
oh my god like now i want to turn mm-hmm. up to fnms and i want to like practice and jam in my spare time and just hold cards all the time you know that was a huge inspiration watching that live play for me yeah i uh, i know you uh i know what you're saying uh probably uh an unpopular take but owen turtenwald was my was my killer oh really he was just oh he was just stone cold never tilt no you know never uh never concede and then the way he played his you know just played his hand drew his card everything was just crisp clean and just brutally powerful yeah yeah for sure man and now it's like arena people getting information because there's a stop that the other person can't stop. It's like, oh, got him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. High level play. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like, and you're watching in the the webcams, like them in their undies, just kind of sitting there. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. You're like, dude, like when it used to be the pro tour ones, like guys would turn up like LSV in a suit, and you're like, damn, this is so cool. Well, the best ones were the World Cup uniforms. I haven't seen those. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. What are, what are they? Teams like? used to dress up for the World Cup in like you know costumes or actually really like the Australian team went one year with like basically like green polo shirts with <laughs> nice. I think they custom made them with Australia written on them. The Welsh mm. team once went all dressed in dragon costumes. Dragon costumes. I think they did that uh, two years in a row. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, the Mexicans all had the big hats on. Oh, some and the, uh, yeah. the poncho. <laughs> yeah, yeah. the ponchos. Yeah. Oh yeah, is this is this our team here? Yeah, okay. I see. Yeah, that, that's that's cool. Oh, uh, what wouldn't you give for worlds? Yeah, last team they went with. I think they had scarves because our last team was Matt Garner, Cubit was the Cubit and Mindsy, I believe. Because yep. yep. the year before that was Mindsy, Cubit, and Sher- Matt Sherlock. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah, and those were the two years when they brought it back, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Because those were the two nationals I played in. God bless nationals. Yeah, yeah I let's nationals. hope someone brings it back, eh? Oh my god, yeah, I'd die for nationals. That'd be so sweet. That'd be good. Well, thank you both for coming on and chatting. <laughs> thank you, Trent, for turning up. Well, Murph needed a walk. I'm sorry. No, totally fair. We totally understand. Um, I hope the listeners enjoyed listening to me and Dan ramble about. Um, Home Alone and Cristiano Ronaldo. Ronaldo and all the other things we talked about for here. You missed all the good stuff, Trent. I was a little disappointed that I missed your um, – or oh, came in halfway through your talk about Merktide Region and Dragon Rage Channeler because, uh, yeah, that's a – that's a pretty uh, pretty sweet take on where format's going. I do wanted to ask you because you actually touched on it and it was something that I was interested in just before we clock off. How many counter spells? Have you played the deck, Anna? Did you say that you played the deck? I've not played it. I've watched people play it. I've played ah, against okay. it and I've seen it. Right, right, right. Because a lot of the context of where the most flex in the deck is is the counter spell. The actually how many counter spells you're playing. And yeah. I was wondering to pick your brain about where you ended up on it. Yeah, I haven't played enough with it to work it out. I really like Force Negation in this deck just mm-hmm. because I think I I just think Force Negation is so good in any fair deck. Mm-hmm. And I I'm I'm not convinced on Counterspell yet, but I haven't played it yet. And you're right, it is the biggest difference. The so the first place list had two Counterspells, zero four Serach, Major's Charm or anything else. The fifth place list had four Counterspell, three Force Negation and a Spell Pierce in the main. So like there's a 
big range. And I, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah, that's right. Nobody's really sold on the, the package of, of what's right. I like the idea of uh, high numbers of force and negation personally, but um, yeah. I'm yet to play with any games. I've only seen... I did sketch a little bit of Aspiring Spike playing with it, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because a couple of... Sorry, I know we were signing off, but no, no. seeing as I just got here, I know um, about two weeks ago he was playing like the red-black deck. Um, he's playing... He's still playing red-black. He played red-black in this challenge. Oh, he's still playing it. Okay. Oh, he played it this challenge. Well, I thought he played red blue this challenge. No, he played red black. Oh, was that Devon? Did Devon play that? He he played uh, oh, like Grixis, um, Chef, Emery, Thoughtmoder. Okay, because he spoke about that on the last. Was it Dominar? Yeah, Dominaria's Judgment actually about that deck, but I didn't think he was going to continue with it. No, he did end up continuing to play with it because until this week, it had probably it had been putting up the best results in the challenges. Mm, it looked quite good. And then this week it completely disappeared. Yeah, I mean, Expressive Iteration is a hell of a card. It is. It- as well as Merktide Regent. Yep. And Dragon's Rage Channeler, I think. And Merktide Regent just being unkillable and gigantic, I think, is just... Yeah, I liked the. Uh, I liked that you touched on that, uh, that part of it, because, yeah, it's definitely the most powerful aspect of it right now. But anyway, I'll let you sign us off, and we can actually talk about that next week if we want, because I'm sure that there'll be more to come from that that's uh it's going to be quite interesting i'm sure there will It'll be very interesting and next week we might even talk about the D set that's coming out which we've oh, yeah. completely just not talked nah, about i don't know about that <laughs> thank you for listening then we'll be back next week bye kyle <laughs>